Hello and welcome to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, where I, Michelle Carville, interview business leaders around the practicalities of how, in this hyper-connected digital age, they are embracing digital technologies to tune in and connect and communicate. You can find all episodes of the podcast together with show notes via our website, carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. In this episode of the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, I'm delighted to interview Rob Baker. Rob is the founder and director of Tailored Thinking, an evidence-based positive psychology, well-being and HR consultancy. Prior to this, he has held a number of senior HR leadership roles at the University of Melbourne and University of Sheffield, as well as consultancy positions at RBT Connect and PwC. Rob's work, ideas and research on how people can personalise work and bring their whole and best selves to the workplace has been presented at academic and professional conferences around the world. Rob is the author of Personalisation at Work, published this year, 2020, with Kogan Page. Okay, so hi Rob, thank you so much for joining me on the Connected Leader podcast. Oh, the pleasure of mine, Michelle, thanks so much for having me. So I'm a Kogan Page author, you're a Kogan Page author, and it was the lovely team over at Kogan Page that put us together to say, you know, to introduce us. And um, and I'm delighted that you're here on the podcast because I, you know, this is all about being a connected leader. But of course, uh, and, and your book is, is all about... Um, people crafting their own their own work their own roles in in the work that they do but of course part and parcel of how we work today um does include digital technologies i mean business is largely digital now and so social media technologies uh, i'm sure you've come across as part of the studies and the work and the research that you've done but also i wanted to pick your brains about how you as a leader you know the the uh, ceo and founder of your own organization are also utilizing social technologies so we can we can go off on a few tangents here rob so i'm pretty excited about this conversation me too sounds fun okay so tell me a little bit about your own usage of, of social and maybe how you got started utilizing social yeah, sure. So in terms of social media, for me, primarily, it's um, Twitter. It's the kind of thing that I probably, in terms of I'm more social, in terms of probably engaging with other people and have a, more of a, a community of people that I access. Um, and I've probably, I didn't check this before I, I, I um, started this kind of interview with you, but probably about three or four years that I've been been on there. Um, and I find there's a mix there in terms of information that I get in terms of some great people who, who share great links and articles and stories. Um, but mixed within that, is, is um, a kind of professional and personal network now of people that I'm friends with, that I've connected with, that I kind of learn from, but also kind of also peer support that we could have found yeah. that was in there. And you have, some of that is... Um, kind of overtly so in terms of kind of the public facing as it were but also through through kind of small uh, direct messaging groups that, that we have set up so that's that's one I think we're seeing increasing I'm not sure if this will count as social necessarily but in terms of it's a group of people together in terms of WhatsApp so I think I'm finding yeah. that particularly around COVID um, in response to that so a lot of the kind of professional groups that I have kind of joined with have connections in terms of you know, the, the conversation changed a little bit from kind of a business as it were to how are you doing and I think and something like WhatsApp and groups there where people were kind of sharing that and resources and it was interesting actually a couple of groups that I'm part of that started very much as 
just a genuine how are you doing actually evolved a little bit to kind of sharing um, ideas and thoughts from a kind of professional basis as well after after time when when that kind of needed to that kind of group adapted to it so I suppose that's not overtly kind of it's social in the fact there's a community a group there but it's not necessarily public and then LinkedIn so in terms of LinkedIn I'm kind of um, and I'm and I'm someone who's still kind of if I'm if I have an affinity I have more affinity with Twitter at the moment than I do say LinkedIn that's that's changing slightly in terms of particularly with the book I'm finding that I'm people are finding LinkedIn as a as a as a an easy way to kind of make direct contact with me or share insights in the book and that's that's a real delight so I don't think anyone can any author would um, ever kind of fails to have a massive smile on their face when someone either d- d- contacts them directly or um, puts a post and references the book and s- some of the ideas that sh- that, that um, they're, they're exploring that I've kind of shared in the in the book, which is which is awesome. So that's kind of really nice as well. And um, I've I'm on technically I'm on Facebook, but not really active. And it's never something I've never ever been kind of involved in in terms of that group. But that that is something that again I'm I'm curious about. I'm on Instagram, so in terms of going through my list now, on my phone in terms of this. So and that's more for more for just that is purely for play really and but whether as a business and whether as an individual I'll look at doing that more as a route in terms of um, engaging in, and sharing about information about the, the business that's something to, to look at because I'm not doing much around there and then hey there's things like um, TikTok yeah and, and I haven't done anything there but we did we recently advertised for a and we're having a, a digital apprentice who's going to help with with the digital content side of the business, and one of the one of the applications. And actually, she got the role not for this, um, but she everyone had to submit a one minute kind of video about and um, talking about a passion or strength they had. And she she um, delivered a TikTok, which was kind of quite cool. So, uh, um, which was really nice and innovative and, and creative. And I'm looking forward to kind of seeing that that zest and creativity in the in the in the team in the future. I think again, my use of social. One of the things I realised I'm not I'm not a big Giffer. I'm not very kind of in terms of I'm not um, kind of someone who uses loads of videos and other things, and that's probably my personal style. And um, but but I'm also in awe of people who are a bit more creative and push the platforms in a in a really positive way. Yeah, but you're out there and you're active and you're sharing your knowledge, your insights, you're building connections. I mean, they are key tools now, aren't they, to connect leaders, connect individuals with their audiences, with their teams, like you say, with peer groups, uh, with other thought leaders. I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, they are staple tools and it's kind of business as usual. It's not, it's, it's not a new thing. So, what, one of the things that I suppose that when you were talking about them, we just touched on in the pre-chat before we, we came on was this concept of work, this concept of HR professionals who I'm sure are, you know, also utilizing social and digital technologies, just as you did. You, you know, you, you interviewed people, but of course the TikTok video kind of, you know, maybe, maybe caught your attention more than maybe some of the other, um, some of the other, uh, videos that you saw. So that creativity comes through. So we're all kind of watching and utilizing these channels. With regards to work, and uh, you know, one of the things when I was reading a little bit about your book, um, you talked about work is broken. Um, tell me a little bit more about that, Rob, because you know, I'd like yeah. to, I'd like to touch on some of those aspects. Well, I th- think the, one of the examples I gave in the in the book, and you can anyone could do this now. If you sit in front of Google and just type in my job is, and let the kind of auto um, suggestion kind of kick in via Google, and it was I did this a couple of days ago with a group. The thing is, my work is 
killing me. My work is uh, boring. My my life is soulless. There's, you know, it's, it doesn't look like great great reading. And I think if you that's kind of so Google tells us one thing, and Google is a kind of a, a bit of an oracle and kind of bringing this information together. But from a more empirical perspective, there's 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 papers consistently showing that individuals when you when you interview them and ask them anonymously, they're not fully engaged and excited by the work that they're doing. Yeah. And I think so from my perspective in terms of in terms of it being broken, is saying there's a disconnect here between actually the kind of the on one respect organizations are saying we want to create great work for people, we want to create great work where people can kind of do great things for the organization. And yet for whatever reason and, and I can talk about the reasons in a second. Um, people are saying, actually, this isn't working for us. And I think one of the biggest disconnects, and this is linked, probably linked into this, the content of your, con- of your podcast, is around people feel that they're they're not maybe not able to tap into their true selves in terms of the work that they're in terms of the work that they're doing. So they can't kind of always bring their kind of uh, talents and the strengths to to the work they're doing. A lot of the traditional, if you look at the how work is structured, the long tail of it comes back to over you know, 200 years or so to um, scientific management, very much kind of hierarchical, top-down. The best decisions always come flow one way. Um, and yet we know that that isn't necessarily from a, from a, from a academic perspective the best way of getting, tapping into the um, ideas, the talents, the... Um, the, the strengths of, of the people that work for those individuals it it does work to a certain extent and that's why they kind of keep replicating these structures but we're at kind of a bit of a i see a bit of a tipping point where we're well i hope it's a tipping point where we're seeing that actually people are recognizing work can be done in different ways and if there was um, any silver lining i suppose from this this terrible covid crisis is the fact that actually yeah. organizations are having to take a step back and actually saying oh hang on we can maybe do things differently we can do things faster than we wanted to so you know some of my clients have kind of done kind of business transformation projects when they've been doing things yeah. at home like in two weeks when they thought it was going to take them two years to, to do it and it was something that had always felt they'd never do yeah and and people have been kind of trusted to it and I think the challenge the wider challenge with the, with the COVID stuff is that that's come with a cost in terms of everyone's tired now because of that so a lot of people have, have done it but I think it would wouldn't it be amazing if that we didn't require um a terrible kind of pandemic to actually force people to kind of act and do it differently. What would happen if we just created that as business as usual and gave people the energy and support to, to, to do that? And that's what I think needs to, to happen in terms of in terms of a future of work. Yeah, I, and I love that. And, and it's so true. I mean, I, I've mentioned it before on this podcast. Somebody said, you know, what was our digital transformation? Was it the CEO? Was it the COO? No, it was C19, you know, that has, that has really been the catalyst for this shift. Um, and the other thing that you, you mentioned there, Rob, is that, you know, and it's come up a few times on the podcast when I've interviewed people uh, and I've interviewed some, some of the CEOs that they've said what they found through the digital technologies is and having this connection with their audiences, being visible, being accessible um, via social technologies, whatever that looks like, whether that's internally, whether that's, you know, Twitter or whatever other platforms that they choose to be on, is that they've been listening in and, and listening to what employees are saying and giving, getting insights from people they would never ordinarily be able to connect with either because of, you know, hierarchy, you know, they just don't get to go into the boardroom and have those conversations or indeed geography. You know, it's not physically 
feasible for somebody or viable for, for the, you know, the CEO to be in those particular regions, listening to those conversations all the time. But they've picked up on some great feedback, some great insights, some, some great ideas and innovation that, that they just wouldn't ordinarily be able to tap into. Absolutely. And I think if you think of an example that I can often give to people is that a kind of reservoir of talent and ideas that sit underneath, un- unseen, as it were, underneath most organisations. Uh, and it's a case of kind of what, how can we kind of tap into that? And I see a job as a, as a leader and a job as a manager and, yeah. and certainly an HR function is around actually how can we tap into that? How can we do some, some mining in a positive, responsible way and, and actually kind of tap into that? And I think for whatever reason, because maybe we've kind of as a seismic shift as kind of have, what's happening is is it allowing people to kind of actually create fault lines and maybe some of those ideas have been able to flow to the top and as you're saying that the, the the leaders are actually maybe seeing that in pockets and isolation in different in different in different ways and so it's a way of yeah it's, it's ideally again it would be great if we could we could kind of mine and tap into this in a responsible positive way and that hasn't happened but yeah i'm hoping that it enables us to kind of realize the ideas are there and we yep. can we can use them yeah i mean it's almost the wisdom of the crowd isn't it you know how do you how can you how can you tap into that and of course this i i see social technologies almost more powerful internally within organizations because it's almost like a connecting i, I see it like a connecting glue you know it's kind of like neurons like a brain isn't it you know it's got to be connected at many at many levels and um the synapses you know all all kind of helping and triggering one another and if there's if there's nothing connecting all of that and even if it is down to the hr department to be responsible for all that that's a lot on their shoulders whereas if the whole organization i suppose is learning together sharing together got this this knowledge constantly the, the opportunity for that knowledge to surface that can be or mine i like that idea of mining that mining the knowledge within um you know that then social technologies can really enable that to happen because i'm not quite sure how that happens without that connectivity I agree, and I think the the other thing to just to build on that idea of this the kind of synapses in the brain and the, is that is that that's constantly happening as well, and it's not it's yeah. organic and it's not necessarily contained. It's something that kind of happens naturally. And I think when I see good kind of digital, we're internally or externally, in terms of done, in terms of sharing of communications ideas, it's it's actually something that's a, that's a kind of evolving. Um, and that it's kind of responsive and it's kind of using the word agile, which is probably kind of yeah, using this respect, but it's something that actually. It's something that's um, not being constrained, not being yep. managed. And I think sometimes when people are going to tap into this in a traditional way, it's in a very staid kind of survey, kind of one-off thing. To, yeah. to do. That doesn't necessarily tap into the, the needs or the zeitgeist at that particular point in time, which, again, you're kind of seeing spilling over at the moment um, in terms of, of COVID. And that's why, again, I'm fascinated by things such as kind of Slack in terms of how they have... Yeah and other kind of internal messaging yep. um, platforms have, have accelerated over this time and how yep. we can kind of use those for better or for worse. And I think we're still learning with that. I think that the challenge with this digital stuff, they've been around for some of these things about for six months, a year, kind of some of us for two, three, four, five years. And yet we've been communicating another way for, for many of us for, for decades. And yes. so by, by that very nature, we're going to do it in a, we're still learning. We're going to make yes. mistakes. We're not always going to do it as well as we possibly can do. Yes. Uh, 
I think we need to be humble about that and recognise it. But there's tremendous, there's tremendous power there as well yeah. in terms of those, those technologies. Huge, huge. And and I suppose I've been writing about it for, for 10, 12 years, you know. So so for me, the curse of knowledge, it's kind of like, oh, finally, it's all, it's all happening. Um, but... So, so that's good. And let's talk then about digital because the key with digital and this, this, you know, as you said, everything's, if it can happen organically, you know, and it's happening all the time, you know, and these synapses and all this intelligence is naturally flowing to the surface and we can mine it effectively, which we still need to learn how to do that effectively. Um, then it's kind of always on right? Isn't it? I mean, and then that leads to whilst we might have all this wonderful connection, which eradicates the disconnection, in one way, people can feel more connected, more heard, uh, you know, more involved, more um, uh, more aligned with, with what they need to be aligned with. Of course, there's also that it's always on. That's great. But there's, there is this always on pressure as well, isn't there? And this, this opportunity of, of not switching off you know how yeah, where, where do we get to with this bit now i'll give you an example recently i was chatting to someone who's just a graduate who i know again i was um kind of supporting in terms of looking for an app for, for a job and delighted that she, she's, she's got one she had a couple of full starts with covid but it's an international company she's working for she's fantastic but one of the, her reflections and we're talking about this when we just only a week ago is the fact that her internal kind of messaging board because of this is literally 24 7 so if she wanted to she would never she could never unplug from that and just constantly feed feed it and she was saying herself that she she recognizes and knows that her colleagues are sometimes later on you know on this than she yeah. is is that a good or bad thing? And already she's two or three weeks in the job and she's starting to think about, for me, what, do, what are the boundaries I want to put on this? Yeah. What, what really matters in terms of the organisation? Do people care about this? Do they notice? And it was like, it was only when I you know, said to her, actually, could, you know, is, does this ever stop? And she's like, no. You, you kind of need to think about actually how when you're going to step on and step off of this. Yes. Uh, for your for your own personal kind of sanity and your well-being. Um, but also as well, it's, it's, it's something that, when you're constantly distracted, if you're constantly engaging with this kind of work and not doing it deliberately, then it's a distraction. It gets in the way of other work yeah. you're going to do. So actually it can be an impediment to your productivity as well. So why is it can be, have tremendous opportunities, kind of digital, social kind of platforms can can also have the opposite effect yeah. as well. So I think one of the things that is something, again, I'm still learning about this and um, is around actually what's a smart digital strategy for you as an individual based on what you want to do, as it were, based on what you want to contribute, based on who you want to, in the hand engage, but maybe also from a career perspective in terms of, in terms of this, in terms of your job, how you can learn. So it's, there's so much opportunity to it and there's so much of it as well. That's the other yeah. thing is that actually how you know what's your what's your strategy as it were and i think a lot of people just don't have a strategy so they just kind of basically don't do it particularly well and as a consequence of that maybe that doesn't work as well for them as an individual or in terms of a well-being perspective or from a from a, from a professional perspective either yeah. and so i think we'd hopefully see more um, recognition of that's a skill, maybe in terms of in terms of a job that you never know, you'd never see on a job description saying the ability to kind of manage and sort through kind of the communication digital and contribute to those in a, in, a, in an effective, positive way. But actually, that's a really valuable skill in today's in today's kind of climate. It, it absolutely is because it, it, I mean it it 
and the thing is, I mean, we've seen all of the studies and the Cambridge Analytica, and now there's the there's there's one running, I think, currently on Netflix. Everybody keeps saying to me, "You've got to watch it. You've got to watch it." Uh, you know, showcasing that the, these these technologies have been designed to be addictive. You know, so we get our dopamine hits. So we get so we and as you say, if if you're not in there, you feel, are we missing out? Have I not served my clients? Have I not, you know, have I let the team down? Am I, you know, so it's all got to be managed in, in a way that works for you because it's got to be on your terms. And, and sometimes that on your terms hasn't been thought through, worked out. Those boundaries haven't been set. Um, there is no formula because it's also very fluid. Uh, and so you've got to find your own feet with that. So, um, you know, it's difficult. It's an art, actually, and a real discipline to say, no, we are, you know, and I've done tasks and I've been part of schemes where it's like, right, three times a day, that's all you can have. You've got to get your screen time down. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Um, but it's a challenge. What about for organizations uh, and how they manage that with their employees? Is this something that you touched on when you were, you know, working with the HR professionals? Is it, is it a challenge that they're finding I don't think necessarily we're recognising per se as a as a challenge at the moment, but I think actually it's something that we're the wider recognition of and certainly something I think we need to have um, a view in terms of how we support people. So if you look at HR as being the function of supporting people to their best in their work, which is yes. kind of the way that I take it, then absolutely kind of expect, being clear in terms of expectations, in terms of what an output of someone, an input, is really, really important. So it's in terms of, and a part of that input and output conversation, you need to think about actually when and where are you connecting to different um, communication channels, digital channels, effectively, that could be email, that could be your Slack or your Teams, or yeah. or it could be social media. It could be, you know, you need to have a conversation about it. I don't think many of us necessarily do because we're, we're still finding our, our feet. It's happened so quickly around us that we we, we, we don't really kind of know. Um, so I think that's an interesting kind of question. I don't have necessarily a, a fully formed answer to, but the thing I, I do think that when, and this comes to pretty much anything, is being deliberate in terms of understanding what your own rules are and why, and being clear about how you've developed those can be tremendously helpful in terms of communicating. And I think it has to come from yourself. So again, I've been part of this thing saying the research, you should only use these things. But you're kind of almost being told to do that. That's a top-down thing. And actually what you need, to, we need to have more conversations with people saying, what's going to work well for you? What's, for me, what's realistic yeah. as you as an individual? And, and treat it as an experiment as well. So saying, actually, I'm going to do one day with three days. How does that feel? Is that useful? What did I miss? You know, what would I have done? If I had contributed more, would they have added value to me? Would it have added value to someone else? And be kind of experimental about it. And I don't think we, we necessarily do, do that. So I'd say you've got to find something that works, that works for you. And... I think, and be wary of the fact that just because it's working at this moment in time doesn't mean to say necessarily it's going to also be working for you in three months, six months, you know, six months time as well. So just have that um, consideration that that you just need to be constantly just checking in with yourself, I suppose, in terms of yeah. is, is this working for you? Is it working for the people that you're trying to support or communicate with or engage with as well in terms of in terms of what's in terms of what's happening? Yeah. And, and that's regardless of whether you're the CEO, you know, we've, I've, I've, in, as I say, we've on the podcast, there's a number of people that have said that they limit their time, you know, that they, that, that it's almost like reading that I'll get up in the morning, I'll have breakfast, I'll check in, I'll have a break, uh, at lunchtime and I'll check in. I'll, 
you know, gets to mid-afternoon and just as you might be thinking, oh, I'll just tune into what's going on in the news, they kind of, you know, it's that kind of, it just becomes part of the rhythm of, of what they do. It's not everything they do. It's just a component of, of what they do. And, um, and I suppose that is about us all finding the way around how it works for each one of us individually, wherever we sit. Because I remember not so long ago, there were organizations that were banning people being on their social technologies at work and, and not, not being able to access them at all because there was this element that it is just so disruptive and of course there's that element of finding the balance isn't there yeah absolutely and again anything where an individual saying i'd love to do this and yet an organization saying you can't do this and again that kind of comes back to this kind of command and control discussion we've had at the start and i'm not saying necessarily you shouldn't have expectations but again i'd love to get to a situation we can have more of an adult nuanced conversation rather than black or white which i think is often the the way that we kind of kind of default to and again i think one of the things again for the current climate to bring it back to this and to the COVID is about there hasn't been black or white we've all been navigating for the gray and because of that we've generally done that in a very I've I've seen at least people doing that in a very supportive collaborative kind of forgiving way recognizing that we're going to make sex and again I think we should just be taking that approach to 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 to, to the organization's status quo yep. as well yeah and it's almost like whatever tools whatever tools help you get the job done right and and for some people like your you know the 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 girl that you interviewed TikTok was the tool that helped her get that job done you know we got to put a video did look how can i do this i'm going to use the tools that are, are available to me and use my creativity and showcase that and get the tool get the job done if if you know you're on a research project and and you can do some research using some of the twitter tools that are out there and that's going to speed up you going through Google and, and other other formats, then if you know how to use those tools, you'd be using those tools to get the job done, doesn't it? It's, it's almost like having the toolbox, but not being um, restrained as to which tools you use. As long as you get the job done, some of these tools can be really, really useful. Oh, they absolutely. And again, I think even if they're not being necessarily useful, other than to actually just allow that person to spark into something yeah. they enjoy doing, like if that's a useful break. Yeah. I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing for 10 minutes. I'm just going to laugh at some, like some videos. Yeah, some cats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then that's great. Like good for you. Like I think, you know, again, it's what what works for you. And in in terms of research stuff, one of the, talking about how you can use, you know, social and things, one of the most, um, astounding studies that I found that was presented with a colleague at the University of Melbourne when I was studying for, for, for uh, my master's in positive psychology and it's a researcher called um, Peggy Kern and she was involved in a project with Twitter and actually what they they, they did in Twitter was they, was they were looking at um, population so they had access to late, large data sets of people's answers in terms of Twitter and they were looked at, they coded these kind of words as being positive or negative, basically broadly in terms of this. And then, then they scraped the data in terms of different regions of, of whether actually the majority of words were being positive or negative. Oh, yeah. And looking at the outcomes of this. And they found that, the, um, that they could predict, or there's a relationship between heart disease and medical neg- negativity, uh, so medical um, diseases related to people's kind of Twitter content and social media content and the fact that actually the, 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 the people who presented more negative words were kind of up, more upset kind of more emotional angry negative, angry yeah angry is a good, yeah, and 
had a, the relationship with there was more levels of high levels of kind of coronary disease in that aspect. So it's wow. fascinating in terms of, again, in terms of how social media, we're still learning about it. It's not yeah. causation, uh, yeah. if you could, but it's, it's, it's a way of reflecting kind of who we are, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for better, or for better, or for worse, and I think yeah. certainly there was definitely some better, and there's definitely some some worse. Some worse, as well. yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you know Brian Solis, but you know I've read a few of his books back in the day, and he's a he he refers to um, he refers to social media as sociology, you know, not technology. He yeah. said it's so much more sociology. All we're doing is vocalizing and documenting the soci- sociology that, that ordinarily happens, you know, or allowing us to, to kind of voice it, uh, you know, in these, in these ways. So it's, it's, yeah, it is a, it is a social endeavor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a and there's, to a certain extent a mirror. I think it's a certain extent yep. how we're doing. To a certain extent, sometimes it's people are using it as an avatar, I suppose, of, of different things. Again, and it's complicated and, and yeah. complex as, as our people. So in terms of that I, analogy, I like I like that as well. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think we're still we're still learning. As far as I'm concerned, I'm saying it's we're still learning about it. we're still making mistakes um but i think it's got tremendous tremendous power from the work and a personal perspective yeah it has so if you could give advice to somebody about using this in work um to support them to you know what have you got any any uh gems or any advice or tips that you would say to someone about how to manage their social media or where social media technology fits in for their work maybe about their well-being their boundaries I, I think we just have a conversation with someone I think more is maybe something as part of a an induction or a conversation with a manager I think it would be good if you as a, as a manager or leader actually understood whether your colleagues were interested in social media how they're using social media do they have a social media account or, or not because it's something to be to be curious about and I think bringing that curiosity kind of to that more it would be a case of actually um kind of how does that work for you and how does it work how c- could it work for the for the business in terms of the work that you're doing a lot of people as we know through our lives work is a massive part of who of who we are for better, or, for better or for worse as they were but that's 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 the case and so again when people are communicating things on on social or linkedin it's very you know, a lot of people do talk about kind of professional kind of work related things as well so it has yeah. i think it's, it's something to be kind of mindful of and aware and have a, an active conversation about it. so in terms of specific tips i just say have a come start having a conversation as for you as an individual i would come i would kind of take a step back in terms of saying what you why are you engaging with with social what are you hoping to get out of it yes to contribute i suppose to others and and so and, and the question you should be asking yourself maybe is how's it adding value to you and how are you adding value to other people and because one of the things i think so for me, and this is very specific to me as an individual and as yourself, as authors in a way, what we've been doing is just trying to share our knowledge that we've got. That's right. It's like almost passing it on, effectively yeah. saying, I've done this. And I see, I see um, kind of social uh, media platforms as almost another way of that kind of sharing those, those opportunities to pass yeah. on knowledge and ideas. And so we have a certain amount of responsibility yeah. there to do it. And that, but that's a very personal, that's my own personal kind of perspective. Yep. But in this case, of, if I've got this knowledge and ideas, why not share them? And you don't have to necessarily take it or not. You can leave it or yep. you can disagree. That's even better because like, yes. I, I don't want you know, to, to work in a vacuum. But it's something that can be you know, um, tremendously powerful. But it's 
it always comes down to the individual. What is it? Yeah. How's it adding value to you? And how's it um, adding value to other people? Yeah, exactly. And if it isn't, you're not forced to do it. You know, yeah, that's... No, change. Yeah. Like, no, you're forced to get change. Yeah. Again, I've, I've been in courses where... And I, I know this is a concern of what it says we do, where you get invited in and say, like, this is something you should do. And I think, again, I, I will be, I would always be kind of um, concerned or curious about anything that you're, you're telling someone, this is what you have to do. And, yes. and again, if it's not something that it's not you, then it's probably not going to necessarily end up well. That said, you may be surprised yourself and actually find, as I yeah. have done, so with Twitter, uh, being but you know, bowled over and surprised by the warmth and empathy and connections yep. that have come from it yep. in a way that I'd never, never expected. But you, but it's not something I don't think necessarily you can, you should, you should or could or can force people to do. No, and and I think that's a bit of a challenge now. It, you know, I remember reading many, many years ago, uh, and I still can't cite the research. So if anybody ever listens and finds this research, please do tag me in on it. But it was it was definitely by Cisco, and it was a piece of research that they'd run that was saying that the future leaders will have to be competent in social technologies. They'll, they'll have to be. It's just going to be part of the, the role. You know, you are going to have to embrace these technologies um, because they're pervading our lives at a rate of da-da-da, you know, and as the leader, you're going to have to. So, so whilst I agree that you, you shouldn't be forced to do it, you, you definitely need to know about these technologies, in my view, if, if you are responsible for people who are going to be using these technologies. You don't want to be on the back foot. You want to know what you can mine and how they work and the curiosity that, you know, be curious. I mean, that's part of the, part of the role as well, isn't it? So understanding. I certainly see it as a responsibility to understand how people yeah. are communicating, like whether that's your employees, your customers, anyone, yep. effectively, you need to be yep. aware and across that. And I think there's also, I'd say to go further, is that there's a certain amount of expectation now, I think, in terms of certain leadership from from people, from your customers and from, yes. from, from other stakeholders that actually you are accessible in some form or your views on certain topics are known. And social, obviously, is one way, an easy way for people to, to, to do that so therefore it's not uh, you know it's not it would be almost a surprise these days if you can't find um the certain leadership positions that kind of accessible in on social yeah. in some some respects um yeah. so it's something i think absolutely i'd agree with you there is a there needs to have an understanding of it um and and in some areas an expectation that you are kind of engaging with it as well yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we've seen that that drives trust. Employees enjoy it, you know, that they, they find the people accessible, that they can, there is that, it drives that connection, that cohesion. So we're coming towards the end of this podcast, Rob. Thank you so much for sharing those insights and your views and about how work is changing and this this idea, which I really like and love that people can craft their own, you know, utilize their strengths, be used, be valued. And I know that this is a, a big part of what you talk about in, in, in your book. So I've got some questions that I like to close with. They're quite enormous questions, but they, they, I don't give you very much time for them. Um, so if you could change one thing in the world, Rob, what would it be? I think I'd just love them to be a bit 
kinder to everyone. I'm saying, I think in terms of a bit more patient, so that's the one thing I would do. If I could squeeze in another, just in terms of that, I would love to give everyone the permission or the energy to do one thing they want to do, but just haven't been able to do. So that could be giving up smoking, that could be doing, you know, starting running or or even cleaning the shower. I don't know, but just it's amazing just to give someone a gift to be able to say, just knock something off, something you really want to do as an individual that yeah. you, for whatever reason you haven't been able to do. And yeah. I think that would be transformative in lots of different, a small, a small way. Uh, we could wipe out COVID as well, but, but that's, yeah. Yeah, I'm being cheeky now and stealing too many wishes. <laughs> There's a lot there, but but I love that, and I I love that about giving people that because if you do the one thing, then that leads to the next thing, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. next thing, and the next thing. So that that just that positive cycle continues. Love that. And what about books? Do you read a lot of books? I know you write I, books. Yeah, do I do. I do read a lot of books. I'm I'm a bit at the moment. I've kind of feel like a bit, bit punch drunk, if I'm honest with you, from the from the previous from, from the research in the book. So I haven't. Um, so in terms of, I've got a big kind of list of uh, books I'm, that I've got on my bedside table that I haven't kind of worked my way through as much as moment. So I haven't got kind of off the top of my head um, reading. One thing I would kind of, I know that I'm looking forward to that's just coming out is a book by Dan Cable, who I really admire as a, um, from London Business School and it's called Exceptional. And it's around again, tapping into um, your kind of strengths and powers. That's something that I'm kind of looking forward to reading and I've pre-ordered that. So um, so that's, that's no, 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 that's his previous book, Alive at Work was brilliant. And, um, and I'm sure, no doubt, that this follow-up will be too. Fantastic. Okay, well, I'll look out for that one. And what about the best piece of advice you've been given to date? Probably, oh, what's the best bit of advice? I don't know. It's difficult. I was thinking about, don't worry about it. It's probably one. It's not as, it's not as bad as you think it will be. It's probably yeah. the best one. Um, and I think it's, for me, it's around probably listen, listen more. So I think... Um, yeah, that's probably the best advice in terms of being really reflective about how much you contribute to how much you listen. And even on this interview, I'm probably recognising that I've still got something to learn in that respect, Michelle. So it's something continuous for me. But. Oh, we, we, for us all, for us all, it's a great, great art, isn't it? The art of listening. And fortunately, social enables us to do a lot of listening. Too many people don't do enough listening with the technologies, you know, but uh, that's wonderful. So, Rob, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing those insights and coming on the podcast it's been great thank you my pleasure it's been really good fun thank you so much for interesting questions you've been listening to the get social connected leader podcast thank you to my guest and indeed thank you to you for tuning in please do feel free to share the podcast with colleagues and friends who you think will enjoy it and indeed subscribe to tune in for more episodes You'll find the podcast on all the usual platforms and all episodes are also on our website, carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You'll also find some really useful digital and social resources on that site too. So be sure to check those out. So for now, from me, Michelle Carvel, your host on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and goodbye. Oh, P.S. If you're a business leader with something to share around digital and social technologies and you're keen to be a guest on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, michelle at carvelcreative.co.uk.